Welcome to the Building Texas Business Podcast. Interviews with thought leaders and organizational visionaries from across industry. Join us as we talk about the latest trends, challenges, and growth opportunities to take your business to the next level. The Building Texas Business Podcast is brought to you by Boyer Miller, providing counsel beyond expectations. Find out how we can make a meaningful difference to your business at BoyerMiller.com. And by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Discover more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, Chris Hanslick. Hello, everyone. In today's episode, you will meet Chef Kieran Verma and her daughter, Pooja, and learn from Chef Kieran how, since the age of six, she learned to cook in her mom's kitchen in New Delhi, India, and then once coming to the U.S., she was inspired by early visits to Luby's for the recipes she still uses today. Pooja will tell you how she draws on her experiences learned working in finance in the oil and gas industry to drive the future of the restaurant. Okay, so very excited to have you and you. First time we've had two guests. So Chef Kieran, thanks for being here. Thank you. Pooja, thank you, thank you for joining Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we, as you know, we like to talk about businesses and you've had a business in Texas for decades. And so that's a, that in itself is an accomplishment. So chef, I want to start with you. Tell us what inspired you to start a restaurant. Well, from very childhood, I was always very much into cooking. I was passionate about it. I would rather be in the kitchen than being in the classroom or being with a tutor. But of course, like all Indian uh, parents, my parents always wanted me to be a doctor. And so my mom had always a tutor for me for physics, chemistry, biology. And I wouldn't attend those like to the full concentration. Mm. I would be looking at my watch and saying, when is he leaving so I can go in the kitchen and start the dinner time or do this from even like I remember very interested in kitchen from age six. Really? Yeah. And where did you grow up? New Delhi, India. Okay. And so is that the extent of your training was just self-taught all the way through? From my mom's kitchen to your table. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So, okay, that was the inspiration from six years old and you just never lost... To this day, I, yeah. I, I know how passionate you are because I've been in the restaurant a few times or so. Do you know, like when you're cooking at home, it's not what you're cooking at. The restaurant cooking is totally different. So when I came to this country, I was 18 year old. And at that time, Indian food was not available outside your own home. And even to cook at home, there weren't like Indian grocery stores in 1970. You had maybe Antones or a couple of other stores who would carry lentils. And you would innovate the recipes. And my biggest innovation, you'll be surprised, literally used to come from Luby's, Luby's Cafeteria. <laughs> that, I would never guess that. <laughs> yeah. So I would go there and I'll have, let's say, a fish. And I'll say, oh my gosh, it's so bland. What if we just added some spices to this and I'll come home? And I'll try everything I ate outside. I'll come home and try with Indian spices. So that kind of gave me inspiration to go into cooking at a much deeper level in the restaurant also. Gotcha. 
So Pooja, you're not new to your mom's restaurant, but you are new to in the last few years actually quitting your career and yes. energy and full time at the restaurant now. Yes, right? yes. So exactly. high level as the restaurant is today, what do you believe it's known for? High level, I think I think Karen's is known for being the Indian fine dining restaurant in Houston. What kind of things are you doing to make sure that is known in the community and that you can sustain that reputation? You know, we just want to be top of mind all the time. So, you know, whether it's forming different partnerships with groups, businesses outside the restaurant, um, doing things on social media, continuing to, you know, follow trends and see what people are gravitating towards and creating and, and, and keeping up with those, you know, whether it's the food or the cocktails and just trying to continue to be relevant. Good, good, good. So, Chef, back to you. At what point did you realize, if you start a restaurant, you know, years ago, at what point did you realize, oh my gosh, this is a business or there's business things I have. I can't just immerse myself in the kitchen. Yeah. I have business things that I need to pay attention to or this will fail. When did that uh, kind of light bulb go off? So actually, when we started in uh, 1996, 97, mm-hmm. the first restaurant was called Harshiana. It was in Energy Corridor. And uh, that was, I literally thought it was just a fun thing to be a chef or to own a restaurant. I never thought Luckily, my husband had a job, so it wasn't like I had to work so hard to bring money to the table or, you know, I wasn't the bread earner in the family. So I was very lavish in running that restaurant. So I did not know anything about cost control and, you know, not that I really followed that any <laughs> anything better. But of course, you know, over the years you learn this is as much as... Uh, business I mean this is as much like you can enjoy cooking meeting people entertaining but at the end of the day you have to cover the payroll you have to cover the rent you have to have insurance and it just goes on and on and on and uh, I did take many restaurant uh, management courses in between like short one day two days courses and every time you went to these courses, you learned how even saving five cents on a napkin at the end of the day, how much it means, you know. So you just start thinking in that. And now, you know, even at home, when I'm not in one room, I'm turning off the lights. I just mm. think, okay, I saved this much energy. I saved this much. Your mentality changes. So it kind of as your experience in running the restaurant has um, evolved, what are maybe one or two of the key lessons you think any business owner should know based on your experience? First of all, always know your business, every aspect of your business. Like in our restaurant industry, you should know how the dishwasher works, how the ice machine works, how all the stoves work. Those are the basic things you should know. And then you should know the purveyors who you buy the food from. Where are they getting your food? How is it coming? Are they in line with the pricing? Are they in line with the quality? You know, are they delivering what they're charging? So you have to be really very careful in day-to-day's business. Gotcha. 
So Pooja, when did you first start working in the restaurant? 1998. Okay. At our old restaurant at Ashiana, I had just left for UT and my mom buys this restaurant and we need help on the weekends. And so she calls me and asks me to come and host on the weekends and be at the cash register. And then I spent my summers working at the restaurant. So I've been working in some way in the restaurant, you know, in some capacity for many years. So that was, you know, during college. And then um, in between undergrad and grad school, I was a manager at the old location when we were next to Highland Village. Okay. And, you know, did three years there and wanted to go to business school. And I was like, well, once I'm in business school, I think I'll figure out whether I want to stay in hospitality or if I want to go back to finance. And when I was in business school, I fell in love with the oil and gas industry, actually. Sure. So, you know, just I was at Rice and all our, you know, I was in a class with a bunch of engineers, all our classroom examples are around oil and gas. And so, and it was like the shale revolution. So I started pursuing a career in that industry. And then in the last few years, just realized that I need to go back in the business with my mom and hopefully help change our trajectory. I just felt like we were humming along, we were doing fine, but I was, and you know, I still am just hoping to change the curve and just make it go like this. Sure. That's great. So to that point, what skills or lessons do you think you've brought from your business I guess, MBA mm-hmm. education and what you learned in the world of finance and energy finance that you're doing in the restaurant. Well, you know, what knowledge, skills, experiences are you drawing upon from that? Well, I got very good at Excel when I was working <laughs> in finance, so I've been able to utilize those skills when doing payroll. That's really come in handy. But I think one of the classes that I think about and the, and the lessons I learned from that class was my marketing course in, at Rice. I certainly took school a lot more seriously as a grad student than an undergrad. <laughs> I'd have to say that. There's um, probably a lot of people yeah. that, that, uh, you know, identify with that. And I think a lot about the things I learned in marketing, and I try to apply those even in the restaurant to this day, you know, when talking about cost plus pricing, mission, vision, strategy, trying not to be everything to everyone, you know. I, I, and, you know, one, one example I always give my mom that I think about a lot, which I thought was so funny, that my professor gave us this example of how a woman was trying to sell this very expensive necklace. So she had, like, three types of necklaces, you know, a low, a middle, and, and the highest one. And he, he said, what do you think she did to try to move that high-priced necklace? She actually created another necklace that was even more expensive than that so that people were, like, then still going to buy that expensive one because they were like, well, I know we can't get the most expensive one, but I'll get the one right below so I think about, you know, those types yeah. of things a lot. You know, they gave examples that Apple would do, you know, for marketing. And for example, you know, Apple's known for having the white ear pods. Right. And I thought about that when I thought about our to-go bags and making just a distinct white handle. You know, no matter what the color of the bag was. Now, right now we have a white bag, but we had black bags for a long time and we made our handle white just to differentiate it yeah. and make it stick out. So I think about, I think uh, of all the classes, like what I learned in marketing, I really, I think about that a lot to this day. That's great. So not unusual, but you don't you know, you see it all the time, family business, right? So you came in to help yeah. mom and the business she started, uh, I'll put you both on the spot. So what are the pluses and what are the minuses to 
working in a family business so close and you know kind of think about we have listeners who are probably in the same or maybe thinking about doing the same thing and you know what advice could you impart to them based on your experience and what you've learned I am so happy to have her I cannot tell you because you just feel there is nobody who's going to take care of your business your interest as much as your own family and uh, also having children who are more educated than you are smarter than you are you feel more secure especially you know i have been doing this for 25 plus years and i feel i'm getting to that stage where i'm not as fast as they are i, I can't work on excel like you know i want to do so many things i say can you make squares and can you do this and she's already done it so fast so just that and knowing that she's always covering our back. You know, there is like nobody can take advantage in this business when she's around me. I feel very secure. The negative is, you know, when it's your child, you're constantly worried. They're overworking. They are not taking care of their family. And you feel so guilty. And I keep saying, Puja, go home. It's time to go home. And if other employees are there, you pay them and you say, okay, you're working. It's yeah. fine. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, so I don't it know. Is, uh, you just take it too personal when you're working together. Sure. Well, that seems natural. I, I will say this. If, if, if people are just watching and listening, I'm sorry, just listening to this podcast, what they didn't see expression exudes proud mom. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. Pooja, how about you? She's definitely a lot smarter than me. So don't believe what she just said. <laughs> She's a lot smarter than me. Heck of a lot smarter than me. I would say to anyone who's thinking about joining the family business is to do it. Just go for it. You know, some people, I think that they're eventually going to take it over, you know, should um, something happen to a parent who's running the business. And, you know, someone told my mom, don't wait for that. And I'm so glad they told my mom that because I thought about it a lot. They said, what are you going to leave your children with? They're going to have a business they don't even know how to run. Get them in the business while you're still active in the business. So that they're, they're learning from yeah. you side by side. Great advice. I would say, I mean, it's been wonderful. You know, I, I feel so lucky to have had the opportunity to work with my mom. She's the, the best boss. Mm-hmm. You know? I was trying to think if there is any negative. The negative is that I'm eating too much. <laughs> you know, and yeah, I, her food, right? Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's certainly a negative. Add some more um, salads to the menu. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure so many times my decisions she doesn't agree with. But, you know, because out of respect, she just agrees right there. And then I'm sure I don't make so many times the decisions she wants to make for the business. But I always tell her the old-fashioned ways are better ways in many ways also. Mm. You know, hospitality, sometimes the pricing, (laughs) you know, sometimes giving too much food, even when people can't eat, you know. We come from a culture where the table should be so full of food, you know? Yes. And she's into like, don't put so much on a plate. They can't eat. We are always packing. When we are packing the food, we are spending on the bags. We are spending on, you know, labor who is packing. I literally have one extra person who just packs food for people. 
for to go orders? For to, no, no, it's not for to go. You know, after people have eaten and they always have so much leftover, oh. so they like to take it home. Take it home. I got they you. They say it tastes so good next day. So, so there's take you home. have one person that's all they do. Is that's pop. all they do at night is pack people's food, label it properly, take it to the table. Wow. So yeah. the, some of these things. So, so that explains the pricing because it's really two meals for the price of one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think more than that, it's not about just that they're gonna. I want guests to want to be able to want dessert. Yeah, we want to be able to, you know, <laughs> fatten them up. Yeah, <laughs> we have three amazing pastry chefs, so we do want to sell dessert. But I, I always defer to her because she's been in the industry for a lot longer, obviously, and um, I know she has the experience. You know, yeah. so I will always defer to her. Whether if I even if I disagree at the end, I'll, I'll go. Well, she has the experience, so makes sense. The so we're going to turn the conversation a little bit, and, and you've mentioned employees. I mean, and you know, you obviously can't run the restaurant yourself. Everyone that's been there knows you have really good staff. What's your approach to kind of the recruiting or the interview process to trying to hire staff that you think will be a good fit for your restaurant, which means for your customers? It's, it's not an easy process hiring, but, you know, to run such a big restaurant now, actually, we do have double the size almost than what we started in this location with. So it's been very challenging to appropriate employees for that kind of a job. So if we are looking for a bartender, so first you have to see the new bartender you are interviewing has experience in fine dining, hopefully can make drinks under the pressure, then also gets along with the team. That is such an important thing. You know, if they are next to each other and they don't get along with their team, you're just wasting your time and money because somehow within a month that employee is going to leave or even earlier or we'll have to let them go. They'll find a reason. So you have to kind of feel them out, their nature, their you know, background, it's so important. But somehow, few of these times under pressure, we have hired the employees and made, you know, sometimes wrong choices because we were having very hard time in finding. So we just said, okay, we'll train them. It's at least right. they have two hands. It's a warm body. <laughs> you are there on the job, you know. Sure. And I've done that for kitchen, the same thing. And so it's like, sometimes like a revolving door and you know when you have that many employees coming in and either you let them go or they leave you it's not a good thing because you're just constantly wasting money you know even in the training period you're wasting money well there's a distraction right if you're having to take time to interview yeah uh, and then you onboard and train that's time and money so it's been very challenging because what people these days I, i feel like think they should work the least number of hours and get the maximum money and of course we all want to do that in life but it's not doable you know like Literally, our dishwashers, the buses, everybody's salaries are almost time and a half than what normal standard should be, basically. You know, when you know this is your food cost, these are your other expenses, and payroll cannot be 50% or 60%. If that reaches, you know you're not going to be in business. But what do you do to retain employees these days? You're constantly raising, you know, they'd say... they don't want to work anymore or they have another job. So 
to retain them, you just offer better than the industry. Right. Well, what, it sounds like what you're alluding to are some of the consequences and realities that all businesses have faced, especially in the hospitality industry you know, since COVID and the great resignation, right? In the last 18, almost two years now, right? That this is what mm-hmm. everyone's dealing with. And it sounds like it's been no different for you. Well, yes. No, exactly. It's certainly been, it's been harder to find front of house staff, which is really where my focus is on finding the right, on finding, you know, the servers, bussers, bartenders. Managers. Um, managers. But, you know, I'm hopeful. I think we'll get no. through it. What, I mean, is there anything that you're doing to try to, I don't know if it's change what, the way you go about it, but uh, any strategies around improving the employee experience so that I get that you may have to pay a little more, but also make the environment one that they just enjoy being a part of. So, so maybe there's they'll take a little less pay because it's you know, more employee friendly. I mean, is there anything you have tried and it didn't work or that you're trying now that you think might work? Well, I think something that, that you know we always did, but we're giving them the flexibility to do for a longer period of time is the training where they can spend more time in different parts of the restaurant and especially for staff who joins us and is not familiar with Indian food you know they've worked fine dining but it's new cuisine the words are in Hindi you know it's they're not they haven't had much experience eating it we, they spend more time in the kitchen you know they're doing more tastings we give them I give them more of an opportunity just to be with my mom and they're excited about that and go through the menu with her you know she's so, fun to hang out with <laughs> <laughs> but you know and hopefully all of that you know will contribute to it but it's tough. You know, there's a lot of great restaurants in Houston. And uh, it's, I think there's really just host- the restaurant industry is struggling now. It's, what's the word I'm looking for? There, it's been, there's been a disruption in our sure. industry. You know, it, they say, you know, Uber and Lyft disrupted taxi cabs. Mm, but, yeah, you know, sure. takeaway has disrupted the, fine, the seated dining experience. Right. You know, so we have to think about that and work around it. And, you know, takeaway has, I mean, as much as takeaway business has increased so much, but it doesn't bring you that much revenue because all these uh, delivery services take sometimes 20 plus percentage out of that whole bill. And also for me, I always feel like I cook just your beautiful sea bass and it just came out of the, you know, oven or the grill and you just pack it in that black plastic box rather than in Mm -hmm. a plate with all the garnishes and all it just takes away and when you eat that at home or you get it through the delivery service has gone to maybe 10 more homes before they reached (laughs) you said is that what i got for 44 dollars that little piece of fish it didn't look that same because i have tried opening that after two three hours that food it doesn't look (laughs) the same yeah but you know that was the only way we could be in business at that time. And, you know, that's now become like almost mm-hmm. 20 to 25% more adding to the bottom line these days, the takeaway. Well, so the good news is, right, if you're filling the restaurant up and still have those yeah, who just want to stay correct. at home, you're increasing your revenue potential without taking up any more space. Yeah. As long as you have the kitchen right. capacity. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, so that does, I can see where that would add to your profit. Going back to employees, you, you said something and I was going to ask to see what your experience is. 
hiring is imperfect, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to make mistakes. My experience has been one, the, the sooner you figure out there's a mistake, the sooner you act on that, the better for your business and for the culture of your business. Yes, yeah. How, how, how has that been for you? Have you what have you learned from? And- so now, actually, as soon as we feel like it's not a good fit, we do part ways. We make a decision a lot we, faster. Yeah, yeah. Lot yeah. faster. We're, we're, we're more, I, I think we think about it a lot more, that we're wasting someone else's time, our time. You know, we know that person's not going to work out long term. And if we get that sense pretty early on, we'll make that decision right away. Yeah. How would you describe the culture of Karen's in, in, from an employee perspective? I'm actually, you know, as much as this may sound so frustrating, the previous part of the conversation about how much we are struggling to get employees. But if you really look deeply into it, I have employees who's been with me 20 plus years in the kitchen. And when they are there, I'm really carefree from those sections of the kitchen and it feels like having them like a family you know when they're sick we try to take care of them we take care of their families as much as we can and you know I appreciate what they do you know wholly like you're always appreciating your kids when they do a good job so I appreciate them but when they don't do a good job they do hear from me (laughs) (laughs) so it works both ways and they all know they actually because my new employees always tell you just have hired a kitchen manager and he said they all love you but they know that you do get upset when you know things are not your way high expectations very high and I have high expectation out of me my children my employees sure so Pooja Staying with culture, when you joined kind of full-time a few years ago, was there, do you feel like there's anything that you've done to kind of help enhance the culture, or did you think it was in good shape and you're just kind of in a maintenance, maintaining mode? What I tried to do was uh, improve employee retention, really. And I think that it was just, you know, my mom being, having to, it's hard for her to, you know, be in two places at once naturally. So she was, you know, very focused on the kitchen and we had pretty high turnover in front of house. I've tried to really focus on keeping the, a team and keeping a core team and bringing in people who we think have are going to be staying with us long-term. So I think you're so, also very diligent in your interviews when you hire people. She looks at it much differently than I did. I think just working, you know, when you have, you've had jobs yourself, yeah. you know, and I've worked in different places you certainly think about the fit going both ways. You know, you think a lot about that. And I make that very clear to anyone we bring on that it's important that they also feel like this is a place they see themselves and what concerns they may have. You know, people would come in for an interview and they're like, well, I'm open to being a bartender or server, you know? And it's like, but really tell me, where where are you going to be happy? You know, what is your passion? And really probing more. I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, so many people miss that because it's, what we talk about up here is we're in a relationship together, yeah. right? And relationships are two-way streets. Right, and, right. and I think so many times, just because it's corporate America and it's a job, people don't think of it that way. It's just a job where I show up to do something and I get a paycheck. But even if that's your mentality, you're really in a relationship with your coworkers, with the company. Yeah, certainly. And relationships only work best when they're mutual and mutual right. respect and, and yeah. um you know, mutual uh, interest in that relationship continuing. So mm-hmm. I think it's great that you brought that perspective along. Thank you. So you've obviously been wildly successful, but 
know there's been setbacks and failures along the way. So can you think of, and this is kind of to both of you, a failure that you've encountered along the way that you've you're now look back and go, man, I'm thankful that I had that experience. This is what I learned from it. This is how we got better. We did. Um, actually, even when I started the first restaurant, Ashiana, when we bought that restaurant, you know, the face of the restaurant looked so pretty. It didn't go into deep into the kitchen equipment, deep into the air conditioning, the anything. So as soon as we wrote the check to the, you know, sellers, from second day onwards, there was breakage of the air conditioning and all those kind of things, ice machine. So we were like just spending time and money on maintaining that equipment and all. So we would have failed at that time because we didn't, you know, after we paid the money for buying the restaurant, we really didn't have so much money to put in for the repairs and all that, we could have gone out of business. So the, we took a loan from the bank and chained all the new AC units, chained the kitchen equipment, and then we were in, you know, set for seven, eight years in that location, yeah. So which was great. So whenever we now have, like, let's say a repair of the equipment or some major thing, I always say, is it better to repair or buy a new? So you get deep into the problems and you don't have all these service people come in and go all the time. I feel like uh, maintenance, maintaining uh, kitchen equipment has been my biggest challenge. Being a woman, maybe, you know, sometimes I feel like I don't know that engineering of mm, these okay. things and I don't know how they work. So you have to be very careful because they can drain your funds. And so it and sounds like Doing better due diligence on the front end, yeah. right? Yeah. And buying a good quality equipment. And then maintaining your equipment. Maintain. So that you and then in any business, if you have if you're relying on equipment and you have breakdowns and you can't yeah. produce. Yeah. Right? You have shutdowns. Who'd you have about you? Maybe it didn't occur at the restaurant. Maybe it was in, in your prior career. Yeah. A failure that I that I've learned from. Yeah. I think there there have certainly been occasions where I've not managed my time properly for something and I've missed something that was, you know, important. And I, I, and I just keep learning from that, you know? Okay. Yeah. You know, like a lot of times not, you know, being able to send menus or pricing and all these people are constantly telling us and sometimes you miss a deadline because there is just so much to do and then, she say, I wish I had, you know, done this in time. I wish, you know, we could have gotten this more business out of it. So not missing a timeline. Okay. Okay. Would be the thing to learn from. So when Yeah, you, or like on things for the business, right? Yeah. 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 So when you think about where you are to with the business, what are your goals for this year and maybe the next three to five? And are they different or are you all aligned behind them? We do want to, of course, continue this business for quite some time in some capacity or other. But a uh, lot of times I do think hopefully someday we can find some more younger people to run the restaurant with us. Yeah. That would be great. Because Said another if, way, you want to retire one day? And so Pooja's a retirement plan for now, right? <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I learn how to cook. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I think 
we just for this year and for the next few years just continue to you know to be top of mind to grow the business in terms of exposure to take on different things i mean i want my mom on tv in the next few years i want her to have a cooking show awesome yeah that's my goal get a cookbook out okay you know, those are certainly some goals in the next couple of years that we that i'm working towards that's great yeah uh, I want to retire, I, and she wants me to work harder. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I want to get her um, in the grocery store. You know, there's just lots of different things that that I'm, I'm working towards. So that's great. That's exciting stuff. So, well, thank y'all for sharing all that. I've got a few things that are less about the business, more about you. You may have already answered this, Chef, because you said since you were six, you wanted to be in the kitchen. But the question is, what did you want to be when you grew up? When you were a little girl. Doctor. Okay. <laughs> that okay. was yeah. my always, you know. I that was beat into your head. Beat yeah. into mine too. head, yeah. Mine too. I, was looking at I know. Can you I know. imagine the, what? The, like, yesterday she reminded me. She said, Mom, that's funny. Your mom said that to you and you said that to me. <laughs> I know. I'm going to be a doctor. <laughs> and she said, oh, I'll be a pediatric cardiologist. I know. <laughs> Growing up, that's all she told everybody. Uh, yeah. Just the Indian way. Just the Indian <laughs> way. Yeah, right. Okay, so... Uh, I ask everyone this that comes on the show. So, do you prefer Tex Mex or barbecue? Barbecue. All right. Tex Mex. Okay. Good. There you go. Y'all split the baby. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I had a barbecue restaurant. No, you didn't. Where? I did in 1977. So, that was before your first Indian restaurant? Yes. And what was it called? Kababiku. It, <laughs> it was on Southwest Freeway and Hellcraft. And in those days, there was a newspaper, Houston Post. Sure. It became the headline, Indian vegetarian young couple opening a barbecue restaurant. <laughs> and, you know, in those days, they used to give star and we had four stars. Really? For a barbecue restaurant. But my inspiration came from Luther's. In those days, there was sure. a restaurant called Luther's. I remember Luther's. I went and worked in Luther's, and I got so motivated to open my own restaurant. How we darn. Yeah. I never knew that story. Yeah. <laughs> do you still barbecue some at home? I do. Uh, not at home anymore because I'm here 12 to 14 <laughs> hours a day. But, you know, some of our bar bite menu has barbecue ribs, barbecue this. Yeah. Okay. So, but those recipes are still in my mind and I still enjoy, even in my, if I'm not cooking, I'm thinking about those recipes, I get so happy. <laughs> I just think there is nothing like making a good barbecue. Okay. So this may be the hardest question I ask you because you work all the time. If you could take a break and go on a, like a sabbatical, where would you go and what would you do? I think there are two places I would love to go. On a, go to India to, just on a food journey, not to see, like, of course, it's, you know, seeing family is always a part of going to <laughs> India. Of course. But when I can take a longer vacation, just because India has so much to offer in different kind of cuisines. It could be Indian cuisine, but it is South, South Indian, North Indian, West of India, it Every cuisine is so different. You'll be so surprised. So, you know, growing up, I haven't experienced that much. So it would be great to go and take those tours and maybe incorporate a few of those ideas into my cooking. And another one would be Mexico. Okay. I want to eat really good, authentic Mexican food. 
you know, we work with a lot of uh, people from Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, and uh, all these employees create something or the other from their hometown. And we make like an employee meal in the restaurant. So it's fun. Oh, how fun and is that? And when you eat that, and when I go out to eat in Mexican restaurants, sometimes I feel like the food they made is so much lighter, nicer, fresher than what you get in other restaurants. Yeah. That's really neat. Pooja, how about you? I would... So, on, for my honeymoon, I went to Turks and Caicos. And oh, that's a good spot. I can't wait to go back. Yeah. That's where I would go if I had some time off. Okay. I, I think I'd go with Pooja. The food journey sound oh, great, yeah. but... The beaches at Turks and Caicos are pretty it was unbelievable. remarkable. <laughs> yes, I can't, uh, I can't wait to, to, to go back and I've, take my I've been and I would go back for yeah. sure. Well, ladies, thank you so much for taking time to come on and share your story. So, you know, consider y'all friends and love visiting the restaurant. And thank you for always taking care of us when we're there. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for your love and support to the restaurant. Yes, we Absolutely. appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, take care. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at BoyerMiller.com forward slash podcast. And you can find out more about all the ways our firm can help you at BoyerMiller.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.